So that's an income statement. And, and that's, it's very important to understand that because ultimately all I care about is how much is a company making today and how much are they going to make in the future? I don't care about the past. It's today in the future. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's gonna help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today is another episode in the series of episodes, and we're going to see how many episodes or series of, uh, that we kind of add to this uh, series here. We're talking about the stock market. We're talking about investing in stocks, single stocks, not in mutual funds, not in the normal 401k, the things that we uh, are really brought up to believe is the only way to invest in the stock market. And I've got with me again today, an expert in the field of the stock market, uh, Joel Solomon. He's an ex-hedge fund manager. Uh, the, the previous episode, go back, and I, I gave you a few minutes of all the bullet lists of, of exactly everything he's done. But let's just put it this way. He's very experienced when it comes to selecting stocks, finding winners, uh, just doing all the things necessary to generate uh, money and wealth in the stock market, which is why I'm super excited about to continue on with this conversation. So I'm going to turn it over to Joel. He's going to go a little bit deeper uh, about the conversation we talked about, but then go a little bit deeper into the, uh, the next uh, portion of the subject. So Joel, welcome back to the show. And I'm looking forward to this uh, next round of the conversation here. Thanks so much, Randy. Again, it's a great honor to be here. I appreciate you so much. So just, just quickly, Many of you know I'm a prosperity coach, but I am a former hedge fund manager. I managed 700 million at City. I made money in 2008 when the market was down 40%. Financial stocks were down 57%. Those were the only stocks I was managing. And we managed to make a little bit of money that year. I might actually still be at City if I if a law wasn't passed that said banks can't own hedge funds. So my whole division was laid off, which gave me the kick in the butt to start my own fund. So as Randy mentioned in the last episode, I did start my own hedge fund, uh, launched and raised money, went through that whole process. And as we talked about last time, a hedge fund is just when, at least my hedge fund was, we were betting some stocks were going to go up, other stocks were going to go down, so we were hedged. So I have uh, a little bit of experience managing large amounts of money of, of my own and investors and city group shareholders, deposit holders, money. And last time we talked about what the stock market was all about. We talked about the balance sheet and on the balance sheet and Apple, we went through Apple's balance sheet and we'll go through Apple's income statement as well. We talked about the assets, the, the investments that Apple had, which was very interesting because most people think of Apple as a technology company. And yet their, their balance sheet is composed mostly of cash and short-term investments and debt <laughs> that they've issued. 
because you know these kind these companies which are technology companies they're very smart uh, senior managers and know that it, it's smart to borrow money at low interest rates and they did that when interest rates were much lower and so we we talked about assets and liabilities and equity also known as the book value of the company and we found that apple a couple of years ago had book value uh, or shareholders equity 72 billion the book value will calculate uh, maybe this time maybe next time and that is shareholders equity divided by the shares outstanding that they've issued to uh, individuals like you and me. So, so today we're going to get into the income statement, or also known as the consolidated statement of operations, which just means income statement. <laughs> and I, I use the colloquial term, I prefer that, or, or earnings statement. And, and let, let's continue with Apple. And so the the first part of an income statement is how much money uh, is a company brought in through its sales. So it's known it's known as revenues or net sales, and the net sales for Apple a couple of years ago was sixty billion dollars in the quarter I was looking at. So each each three every three months the company reports their how much money they made by by reporting in an income statement or consolidated operations. I'll just go forward, talk about income statement, say income statement. So Apple's revenues were 60.1 billion and 60 billion of that was from sales. And 0.1 was 100 million was from the investments that we talked about there, cash and short-term investments. So almost all of their revenues comes from selling products. So on the income statement, there's revenues and then there's expenses. So the expenses for Apple were 47 billion and almost all of that came from their cost of selling their products. Meaning they have to produce those products, they buy the parts from vendors. So that's that was 37 of the 47 billion. Then there's research and development expenses, and there's commissions. They may have to set pay their salespeople, and maybe they have their salespeople on, on salaries at, in the stores that they're in. So those each amounted to another five billion each, and so that's how we got to the 47 billion. So if we take 47 billion from the 60, that's 13 billion. If you take out taxes which were about 2 billion, you get 11 billion. So in the quarter on the income statement, you would find in this quarter that we're looking at, Apple earned $11 billion in one quarter. So that's a lot that's of money. I think we should do that, Joel. Well, how's that sound? <laughs> let's, let's figure that out, can't we? <laughs> Good for Apple, but the one, Apple is a company that that everybody in the world, right, is so familiar with that brand, right? So to break that down in that way, that's fascinating to think of it that way. So in a three month span, they earned eleven billion dollars, and this was two years ago. So if we yeah, look at so who knows what it is, today, right? We'll, we'll find that it might might be as much as double that. But let let but even if so, you annualize that. Annualize means just multiply by four because that was one quarter. One, one fourth of a year, and we multiply by four, four times one fourth is one. And so if you just annualize that 11 billion and multiply by four, you get 44 billion. 
if they were consistent with making that amount of money each quarter. So that's an income statement. And, and that's, it's very important to understand that because ultimately all I care about is how much is a company making today and how much are they going to make in the future? I don't care about the past. It's today in the future. And so that- to, So making, right? So it's the difference. So I have a, sometimes when I'm having conversations with folks about businesses, they think about making as like top line and you're talking about making as the bottom line, right? So that 11 yes. billion versus, you know what I mean? Cause it's a huge difference between yeah. companies can be doing a ton of top line, but if they're not making money at the bottom line, then it doesn't do anybody any good. Right. So like, think about like my business where I charge for my individual coaching, I charge for my membership and I charge for my group courses, my online courses, and I charge for my books. And that's revenues, that's net sales. But I have expenses like marketing expenses, like the cost to upkeep my website, um, you know, the different types of uh, coaching courses I take because I think everyone needs to learn and develop every year. So I take my own coaching courses every year. That's part of my business expense. Their travel expenses, their expenses when I go into Manhattan to travel uh, locally and then travel globally, meeting with clients or going on a trip where I'm meeting with somebody who could be a potential client. Uh, All that's an expense. And so ultimately I care about is how much money did my business make in 2023? Great if my revenues went up and doubled. Usually my expenses don't double when my revenues go up double because I have a lot of fixed expenses, meaning that it's it's not variable. Like if I sell, if I if I have 10 more coaching clients. It doesn't mean my expenses go up 10 times. It's a, a lot of my expenses are fixed. The website's fixed. The, uh, the, you know, the, the people I pay to do my website, the people I pay for my back end, uh, the virtual assistants, all those are fixed. So yes, it, the bottom line, net income. So revenues my ex- minus expenses equals income and or net income. And that's the number I'm looking at or earnings per share, which is net income divided by shares outstanding. So we'll get to that in more detail, but that the income statement is most important as well as the cash flow statement. So I do my own business on a cash basis. Uh, you know, if you're a public company, we already talked about generally accepted accounting principles and accounting for the book value last time. But cash flow, it cash is king. At the end of the day, if you can't translate that net income into cash, how are you going to play your employees? How are you going to play your, your vendors? So I also look at the cash flow statement. And as an insurance analyst, I want to see if you know there's a major hurricane, you know, and they have to pay out. The insurance company has to pay out 10 or 15 billion dollars. How do they do that? Do they have to sell investments? Or is there cash flow that they're generating each quarter enough to cover a big catastrophe? And so I'm looking at the cash flow from operations. And so 
we just talked about revenues minus expenses on the income statement, but you can look at cash revenues minus cash expenses. So what's the difference? The difference is say Apple sells an iPhone and it's $1,000. And you have an agreement with Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile and you're paying $100 a month for the next 10 months. Well, let's say it's $50 a month for the next 20 months. So Apple's not getting $1,000. So on a cash basis, if we were to look at 2023 and say it's September, so we have September, October, November, December, on a cash basis, we paid $50 a month to Apple, that's $200. So on a cash basis, they made $200. On an accounting basis, they got the full thousand. So that's the difference between cash accounting and this generally accepted accounting principle accounting, which matches expenses and revenues on, that's the purpose of gap accounting. Anyway, you don't need to go into accounting uh, in, in detail, but the point is I like to look at cash. So what is cash revenues minus cash expenses? And for Apple, we just saw that uh, on the balance sheet, on the income statement, net income is 11 billion. On the cash statement, it's 16 billion revenues minus expenses. So they actually had more revenues minus expenses than the income statement, which is good news. I like to see that. So does that happen very often? Or is that just, it, is that it, an anomaly? It doesn't happen very often. Okay. And so it's good news, which means that they have more cash to pay uh, for expenses and for unforeseen items than, than on a gap basis. And so it's important to, that's why it's important to look at the cash statement too. And that's readily available on the press release on the website, as we talked about last time, you know, going to the company's website to get this information is a balance sheet, an income statement, and the cash statement. Now, there's one particular item that a lot of professional analysts use to approximate cash. So you, you can do this in between the quarters. In be, if you're looking for a year, you can do it for to estimate the cash for the year. And it's called EBITDA. And EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation and amortization. And we don't need to go into all that, but it's uh, a way to approximate cash. And so I just wanted to throw that term out there because a lot of investors look at a measure of some value compared to EBITDA. And so knowing at least that it's, it's just an approximation to cash. That's all you need to know when you see the term EBITDA or sometimes it's just EBIT if the company doesn't have anything to depreciate, like they don't have property to depreciate or real estate to depreciate, um, or they don't have an asset to amortize. So EBITDA is a term to approximate cash. So let's, let's get into valuation ratios. This is the fun part because now we're getting into how a company is valued, right? So 
book value we already talked about and we mentioned last time so book value equals equity shareholders equity divided by the shares outstanding and and i i want to be clear here uh because sometimes when i start talking about valuation ratios some of my clients eyes start rolling and i say to them look did you get through fourth or fifth grade math did you learn how to subtract add multiply and divide because that's did, all you I need did to that. do i actually i was able to do all that so yeah right. we're in the, we're in a good spot so if you can add subtract multiply and divide and one of my clients said to me you'd bring back memories of me being with my dad on the kitchen table and him like <laughs> you know and i'm like get out your calculator i mean your calculator is on your phone now yeah, right no doubt I mean, yeah like Pull get out, out your calculator you don't need uh to get out a pad of paper, it, you know, you need to divide two numbers. So if you can get out your calculator and divide two numbers, you can do these valuation metrics. So book value is the shareholders equity divided by the shares outstanding. So we found um, last time that the book value for Apple was about 72 billion. Mm -hmm. So the shares outstanding, again, it will be on the, it will either be on the income statement or the balance sheet, depending on the company, how they report, but it'll be right there. It'll, it'll say number of shares outstanding or shares outstanding or O slash S for outstanding shares. Uh, Apple had about 17 billion, 17 billion shares outstanding. <laughs> okay. So so if we just divide the 72, and I'm going to get out my calculator here and divide 72 by 17, we get $4.23. So that's the accounting measure of what the balance sheet is saying that Apple's worth, just $4.23. So that's interesting. That is interesting. It's interesting because I think most people know that Apple is not trading at around $4.23. <laughs> not the last thing I heard anyways, and, yeah. And this was a couple of years ago. So even if you were to double or triple that because of the growth in the, the book value, the shareholders equity, you would get eight or $12. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure, and I haven't looked in a while. I don't, I don't spend my days like in Apple because I don't invest in Apple, but I'm pretty sure it's not at $8 or $12. So, but that's the accounting measure. That's what the accountants will say Apple's worth. And so let's look at, so that's book value. So let's look at earnings. Now, earnings or E or EPS, I've actually used that term a few times already in the, these last two episodes. EPS is earnings per share. So to calculate earnings per share, we will take the net income, divided by what we the number of shares outstanding. Now, it's a little bit different for net income or earnings per share versus book value because the book value is done at the end of the quarter or the end of the year. And the earnings per share calculation is done throughout the quarter, throughout the year, because you earn the money throughout the quarter. It's not just the point in time. So we take the average outstanding shares for the quarter or for the year, 
versus just the point in time that we did to calculate book value. So it's a slightly different number, um, but it's pretty similar. It's 17 billion, still 17.4 billion. So, so we just went through how much Apple earned in this quarter. In this, it's in this example, they earned about 11 billion, if you remember that number. So 11 billion divided by about 17 billion. Let me do the calculation quickly here. 11 divided by 17. You guys can get out and calculate and do it yourselves. It's about 65 cents, 0 0.65. So in that quarter, a couple of years ago, Apple earned 65 cents. Per share. Per share. So it doesn't sound like a lot because if you multiply by four, you get $2.58.8 or 59 cents, $2.59. cents. So if, if say, I don't know what it's trading or what it was trading then, but let's say it was trading at 100. So 100 divided by $2.59. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but that would be the price divided by the earnings. It's about 40 and we can calculate it exactly. 100 divided by 2.588 is 38.6 times. So that is the price to earnings or EPS ratio. And so let, let's do this. So let's continue with this uh, along this path. So if Apple did earn that same amount consistently, that 65 cents each quarter, so th that particular quarter I looked at was low, but let's say it was earning 65 cents a quarter for four quarters. That was what we say, $2.59, okay? And so the price to earnings is about 40 times, just under 40 times. So you're paying 40 times their earnings when you buy the stock at $100. And what that says to me is if you're paying 40 times, you believe that the earnings are going to grow 40% forever. Forever. <laughs> you forever. Let's, let's, yeah, let's emphasize that last part, forever. <laughs> forever. So, and Apple has grown more than that some quarters, but what you're saying is the price to earnings is the, should be equal to the earnings per share growth forever, right? So basically the two dollars, it we look at it this way the two dollars if you if apple was paying out a hundred percent of their earnings as a dividend and we'll get into what a dividend means in a second but if if apple was to pay out all their money to you the two thousand fifty nine cents you own one share two thousand fifty nine cents to you right for the year they pay that to you every single year two thousand fifty nine cents forever right if they're not growing at all it would take 40 years for you to get paid that the hundred dollars that you paid for that stock. Just to get your money back. It would take Just 40 to years to get that, that initial investment. 40 years to get years your money to get back. back. Right. So that's a long time. <laughs> that's forever. <laughs> right. So, so that's where it's it, determining whether something is expensive or, or in line cheap. or cheap, right? Either right. or, right. That's right. where that so, uh, ratio comes in and is very valuable to know. So that all that's doing is, is looking at current quarter's earnings. Now, 
there's many ways to calculate the PE. And let's just go through all of those right now because it's it can be very confusing. So the PE is quoted all the time, price to earnings, price to earnings, price to earnings, P, price, P for price, E for earnings or earnings per share. So what we did was just calculate the quarter's earnings and multiply it by four, annualizing it to get the full year's earnings and dividing the price by the earnings, right? So the what most people do is not that. What they do is they add up all the past quarters, add up the past four quarters. So the past four quarters in my example is actually, it was 65 cents, 64 cents, $1.25 and 76 cents. So that's $3.30. So if we take 100 and divide by $3.30, we get 30. Hmm. So, so the P is a little bit lower if we looked at the last four quarters. So it was 30 versus about 39 or 40. And you said that's what most people do it that way? Is that what you yes. said? Okay. What I do is I that's, look at- Because that's what's most important, right? That's exactly trying to figure out exactly how you ran yours. Yeah. So what right. exactly so did what you do? what I do is, well, when I was a professional investor, I would calculate the future earnings of the company. I had models. I checked. Now, there are professional analysts who have their own models who calculate the earnings as well. And as an individual investor, you have access to this information, not on the company's website, but on Yahoo Finance or on your Schwab or on your Vanguard or Fidelity account. It'll tell you the next four quarters worth of earnings or next year. I, I look at the next year, full year. So we're currently in 2023. I would look at 2024 Apple's earnings. Estimated, correct? Estimated, Estimated by the professional analyst. Now, there are probably 30 analysts who cover Apple. Okay. And for the large companies, there are many analysts. So you get an, you take the average of all of them. Now, some of them may say, oh, they're going to earn $3. Some may say 5 some may say 6 but you're taking the average. And so usually if you have enough numbers, average is pretty good. You can look at the highest and the lowest, but I look at the average. And so let's say Apple was going to earn $5 next year. That's pretty good growth, right? Because we just said $3.30. Um, that would be about 50% growth. So if they were to grow 50%, they would earn $5 next year. And if I took the $100 stock price and divide by five, then I only get 20 20 looks a lot better than 30 or 39 or 40. And so what I do is I look at next year's earnings and add and use the analyst estimate because I'm not modeling out all these companies anymore. And so it gives me a pretty good idea. The analysts are going to be wrong. They may be wrong by 10%. They're not going to be wrong by 100%. Hmm. So if the average was $5, maybe they might earn $520 or $550 or $450. They're not going to earn $10 next year if the average is five. And then I, unless there's some major catastrophe, you know, or there's some, you know, crazy bubble that happens or something very strange, it's very rare that the analysts are off by that much. They might be off by 10% or 5%, but not 100%. So 
that's what I do is look at the price to earn the future earnings to get a sense. And then I compare that to the, and we'll get into my five step stock screen. This is actually step four. We'll compare the future earnings for the next year versus the price compared to how much they've grown recently. And that's a really good indicator is the company. So now we're not only doing the PE, but now we're comparing the company to its earnings growth. And now we're getting, we have two different measures and we're comparing the two together. If you just look at PE and say Apple's at 40 or 20, you need to compare it to something. Is it, what was Apple's average PE over the next last five years or 10 years? Is 40 high or low? You don't really know unless you know history. Or the other way to look at PE is to compare it to their peers. So what's Amazon's PE this quarter? What's Google's? You know, what's uh, Samsung? What's, you know, the, the other competitors? And, and is, it, is Apple higher or lower than them? So those are the two ways I look at PE. I compare the company's PE to itself over time, and I compare it to its peers. And so you, what again, all of this, ultimately, what we're trying to do is find a company that's inexpensive, that puts the odds in your favor so that you will succeed and earn more than the average 10% that you would get in an index fund. And it's about accumulating all this information, right? And then taking that information and applying it to different companies, running it through the different models that you're mentioning, right? And then just coming up with the data, let the numbers tell you the story. It's not necessarily, you don't want to fall in love with Apple. I'm an Apple user as well, but it doesn't matter. It's all about what the number will tell you at the end of the day and keeping the emotions out of it, right? It's just an estimation based on what you're predicting for the future earnings of that, basically of that company. Is that what I'm understanding? Absolutely. And emotions are really important to talk about for a second here, because if you, the whole point of this is to make it a formula and a process. So you can say, and, and, and actually, and write down your process and, and what you're going to do, your plan and goal before you invest. So you might say, look, I, I want to earn 50% or hundred percent. And I'm going to get out if I lose 10%. And you have, you have that in your notes and you have the piece of paper up and, and alerts in your, in your Schwab account or Fidelity Vanguard account. And so if, if it goes down 10% and that's your plan, you get out and you don't lose more than 10%. Or if you're, you know, say Apple's at a hundred and you say, okay, my target is 200. At 200, you sell. No matter what, you don't say, oh, it's done. It, it looks like it's going straight up. I'm going to hold to 250. No, you stick with the plan. That's the whole point of this. And it's the whole point is to get the emotion out, right? You don't want to be, get, you know, there's greed in this fear. And you don't want to get too greedy or too fearful. It's all about the mindset right? Which we talk about that yes. all the time as well. All back to mindset. All back to mindset. All back to mindset. Well, Joel, this has been super valuable. Is there anything to kind of put a bow on this episode here today? That you, Anything else that you want to kind of share here towards the end or, or should we wrap it up? I think this is a great stopping point uh, yeah, I think, uh, to get to the next episode. 
this is a great stopping point. And, you know, valuation metrics are really important. We'll get into a lot more valuation metrics in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. And again, I just want to point out people, if, if anything feels a little overwhelming, I'm here. You know, if you want to take 30 minutes with me, I do, I give 30 minutes free prosperity coaching to anyone. If you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wow, that this is a lot jump on a call with me. I'll ease your concerns because this is, I don't want this to be overwhelming. I want this to be really simple. I want you to be become financially free. And if you're interested and passionate about stocks, this is the way to do it. So tell where people work and they get that, that call with you. What, where's the place for them to go? Yeah. So you can, you can uh, go to solomore.com. I, I think it's over here. S-A-L-A-U-R-M-O-R.com. Uh, right on the homepage, you can sign up for your free 30-minute prosperity coaching session. It may take a week or two, but you, I, I make myself available for you. And I'll make sure we have that in the show notes uh, for you folks as well, for those of you that are catching this uh, outside of a video where you can see that on his screen. So, Joel, I really appreciate this time. I, I knew this was going to be so much fun. It's like I'm, I'm learning as we go. So I'm over here just kind of nodding and agreeing. It's like I'm, I'm taking it all in. I, I'm so excited about what we're going to learn next uh, as we keep learning. Uh, as I've shared in the past, I'm not a I've been fascinated with stocks, but I've never really gotten into it to this depth of, of information at this point. So, so far, uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I look forward to the uh, next episode in the series of the, uh, the of the stocks, right? Going down the financial education with the stocks. So I appreciate you being here for sure. Thanks so much for having me, Randy. Appreciate you. Absolutely. So folks, go out there. Uh, take Joel up on his uh, invitation. Join him. Uh, go to solomore.com, uh, his website. Uh, sign up for his 30-minute uh, consultation. Uh, he will be, it will be so valuable to you. Uh, that uh, definitely take him up on that. He's also has different resources on his website as well. Uh, you can grab any, any of it. He's on YouTube. He's in all the socials, right? Follow, follow Joel. You'll be very happy that you did. And until we come back to you the next time in the next episode of this series, I hope everybody has a fantastic day and uh, leave us some feedback, right? Uh, that's kind of how we're going to know whether or not this is resonating with you. If you like this, so far, let us know. Uh, leave us some comments. Uh, I will be posting it not just in podcast form, but it'll be on YouTube. It'll be on all the different socials. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, uh, leave us some uh, information, some feedback. If you're liking this so far, uh, let us know because that'll encourage us to continue on this journey of learning more about the stock market and how to pick stocks uh, to be winners versus uh, losing and falling behind. So go out there, make it a fantastic day. And until the next episode, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor, Jim Roden, shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself and become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Thank you.